Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Yeah. And yeah, I, I which is why I, I so adamantly defend just about every investigator. You know, there's there's always going to be some bad apples, but I'll tell you, for the most part, people in law enforcement, man, they are just they're just a cut above. I mean, they, it, they only do it because they care about their, the, you know, the society. I mean, again, that's, that's taking out the outliers and the people that do it for the wrong reasons, but those are few and far between. I mean, out of the, what is there? 800,000 law enforcement officials now, you know, going all the way from the traffic cops all the way up to, you know, chief of police and sheriffs. But those guys, they, they do it for the right reasons. And, and especially detectives, they get into it and they do it for because they care and they, and they want to solve the problems. And, and they, they're, they're challenged by those, you know, putting that, that uh, puzzle together. And especially when they don't know what it actually looks like, but kudos to all of them, because there's a price to pay for, you know, getting involved in the depravity of society and, the guys that they are dealing with are either just complete low lives or they're people having the worst day of their lives. And either way, it's uh, the, the, the opportunities to have, you know, positive moments in an investigation like this only comes when it's solved. You know, they, they get a breakthrough and, you know, then there's some, there's some hope and there's some positive moments there. But, man... You know, and this is just one case. You know, the, the cases just go on and on and on. And until humans completely changed, I don't know which is going <laughs> to, maybe when Christ comes, you know, but um, short of that, we are going to have human depravity. And it's not just the victims and the victims' families and the immediate community. It also affects these cops. And these guys are heroes from start to finish. So uh, I, I, I hope um, just based on on what we're talking about right now, if you have a chance to, you know, go thank a cop or buy him lunch or whatever, I, I hope all of you that are listening to us or watching us on YouTube or wherever, um, I hope you, um, you know, go out of your way to to thank a cop today. So, okay, let's uh, let's go back to the video. There's a couple more, you know, obviously some more sections that we want to get to because again. Uh, this video is only about seven minutes, but it is just absolutely packed with information. So, okay, here we go. At early 2023, there were piles of reports, dozens of crime scene photos, several boxes of evidence, and Barbara and Darlene's clothing. But there were few tangible leads in the murders. However, the results of DNA testing recently unlocked new clues. The preservation of evidence is super important, even going back almost 50 years because a lot of the evidence sometimes deteriorates. BSO crime scene detective Roberto Caceres tested Darlene's clothing. He separated DNA trapped in the garment from the clothing fibers. And this is the end result of almost 50 years of this DNA on this case. While Detective Giannino awaited the results of those lab tests, he continued. All right. So as the president of MVAC Systems, I'm telling you that's by far the, the best second. <laughs> Man, I just, I just, you know, first of all, uh, kudos to 
uh, our, you know, our good friend, Rob Caceres and, uh, working for BSO, the, the crime scene unit there. And he's also a wizard with the MVAC and, you know, does a lot of, I mean, all of them there are, are, are great with it, but, uh, he seems to be just kind of rising head and shoulders above and he's just doing some amazing things. So what, uh, when you first saw that, Tom, what'd you think? Yeah. It, it, Rob is like a samurai with that. Cause that is not easy. You've got to lay that out and you've got to use that device without sucking the blood into it, you know, and degrading that sample. And he probably worked around that. So he's very talented with it. And you also notice all the protocols he has. And as we learned recently, they established their own clean room there, DNA room, I think was the colloquial term they used for it. So to sequester that off to keep those samples intact and everything else, bringing back the best thing. So, oh man, what, what else do you say? You know nothing. This guy's never showed up on the radar. And like a lightning strike, they have a full profile of who this guy is. Now, the mystery is, was he identified through CODIS or did they do a FIG uh, forensic investigative genetic genealogy. I would say the former is probably the case right here because he has an extensive criminal record. And um, we'll speak a little bit more on on the offender on this, but yeah, very exciting to hear it. And it's textbook and back work on there. Absolutely. So any of you investigators that are watching this that uh, may not have access to, you know, just your, your unit or, or your, department if you don't have an mvac yourselves there are crime labs around there are other agencies that'll work with you so if you have a case and it doesn't matter how old it uh, it is doesn't matter if it's been tested like swabbed before uh if it hasn't been mvac then there's a chance that there's still dna there that uh that it can collect because even the fbi has shown that it's it can collect you know, up to 66 times more even after the swab so, uh, don't think that your case, just because it's been tested in the, you know, it, well, especially if it hasn't been tested in the last five years, I, I would consider it basically has not been tested at all because lab equipment and the technology in the lab, as well as the MVAC, it just changes everything. So, all right, let's go to, uh, this, uh, this next section here. It was a terrible time, terrible time for both sides of the family and whoever knew them. It was hard. It was really hard on all of us back then because our lives changed. Detective Giannino believes the driver of the van took Barbara and Darlene to the Everglades where they were assaulted and shot. The crime scene photos show what the remote area looked like when a fisherman and his family found the girls' bodies the day after they were murdered. I think the sexual assault took place here in this remote area. Whatever transpired afterwards is the big question. Why did it go from a sexual assault to a homicide. It's sad. I mean, two 14-year-old girls to to be murdered in such a way, it, it's just sad. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. Yeah, you know, that that's a that's a critical question. And I I I've worked with enough agencies and, and there's I've seen enough cases that um I think the sexual assault kind of uh, a lot of times, you know, the men that um you know, once, once they do their sexual assault, uh, and kind of recuperate a little bit, I, I think the, a lot of times the realization of what they've done comes out and maybe they got recognized by the victims. And there's a particular case here in Salt Lake where, uh, the guy confessed that that's 
he he was uh, an apartment manager of and the girl lived in an, in his building and so he realized once he uh, once he con- committed the assault then uh, she recognized him and she knew who he was so he said well I, my only recourse was to you know to not get caught was to kill her so um do you think that's fr- pretty common tom yeah, it's common and it could be the case. It could also be other variables. One, I don't want to speak to right now because they're working this on a second offender. And um, I don't want to hypothesize something out there that might spoil what they're doing, uh, looking for the second offender and what the connections were back in the day. But that could very well be it. Uh, it could very well be that area is right across the street from Hollywood High School, still in business today. It's still functioning as I recall, the Polish American Club was there now, and where Gail, excuse me, Kabako is standing is actual location of where 40th, aka 56th Avenue, crosses Sterling Road, and it's um, it's of course more built up than what it was. There was semi remote area back in the day, so uh, you could hide, and, and she was a witness to it. So we're talking about a second offender, and um, that's uh, that's the nebulousness of it. At the same time, you have a witness. Uh, who saw what happened out here. So why were these girls killed? Eh, You know, remorse. I I would suspect this. Even back in those days there, that's in a room or or an area where uh, there's a strong Jewish population, very clannish, very tight-knit community that happens out there. Um, It's very likely that these girls were not what they thought that these guys were grabbing them off the street. They weren't somebody that you could take and just have disappear. That was going to create a huge hue and cry. And they probably realized that as dreadful as it is to say that it's just a fact of the victimology here. So if these girls had prominent ties to the community, which obviously they did. And if they're into that clannish areas, what I'm talking about is the different things that bond us together as a society then, you know, those connections are there. Those bad guys realize it. So they're making a business decision at that point. You can't just let them go. They may recognize them, like you said, may be able to uh, uh, finger them later on, meaning pinpoint who they are, you know, the bad guy is, and they're, they're known witnesses to it. Um, and they, they just had no choice at this point, you know, in their mind, and they had to kill them. But, the, you know, what you don't have is that intimate violence that comes from a serial killer, that upfront and personal thing that happens. They're shot with a 45 is what reported historical records over here. I think that still stands true today. And I'm sure the firearms guys looked at that. And that's a, a less connective sort of a distancing yourself from the murder itself. Um, and then we have the second of this purported second offender. And I'm going to assume that that's Gail and that's not a second DNA profile, but it could be either one of those things. We just don't know. And we're both out of the club, of course. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, one of the things that really um, perplexes me about this is a lot of times after a sexual assault, it, um, if, if they're killed quickly, then, you know, the, the bodies are just dumped. They don't, they, these, these girls were fully clothed when they, when they were found. And so if they were sexually assaulted, why would uh, they be fully clothed is, is a question that as i watch the video and see pictures of the crime scene there's some ambiguity in there because the initial reports say they weren't sexually assaulted and then uh, later on probably post-autopsy they said that the girls one of the girls um underwear was on backwards 
So that would lead me to think that there was something going on there. And then Rob comes right out and says that. So there probably was, like I said, there was initial report and that's just the way things were back there. People were a lot more glib. They were less constrained in their opinions. And so, you know, we spoke about victim victimology on this and, and the, this is a case where, you know, don't go hitchhiking. And this may be the one that caused the end of hitchhiking in South Florida because there was no hitchhiking really. Um, as we got older, it, it was the end of it. So this could very well have been the case that did it. Yeah. Okay. We'll go back to the video here. Senseless, actually. And you can see possible blood evidence on it, too. Meanwhile, the results in the BSO crime lab came in. They revealed a major breakthrough in the investigation. A full DNA profile of a suspect was developed. Getting a profile, a full profile from a suspect with a case that's almost 50 years old, it is rewarding. At long last, the name and face of a suspect emerged. That profile through our DNA analyst and our crime lab was able to identify a Robert Clark Keebler. His history included armed robbery, sexual assault, aggravated assault, from California to South Florida. Robert Keebler. What do we know about this guy? Yeah, not much. He does not show up in public records very well. And even some of the historical accounts and, and the pay for services for, for the various news services, it's not a lot of profile on this guy. And they have a, an advantage with NCIC. I could dig a little bit more to find out exactly what he was arrested for, things like that. But at this juncture, we don't. So he does not have a, a lot of reporting on him. But what they reported on that is the robbery, the sexual assault. They don't parse out if those were separate events or if it was a crime of opportunity. And I'll, I'll subcategorize off of that. You know, there's generally four types of rapists that are out there. But one of those is that, that opportunist. Or one of those is that poor impulse control or variants of it. And they see, they want, they do, and just that's what they do. They're mentally depraved and they've just got that evil within them. And we just don't know. But, uh, you know, as you walk these things back, South Florida is just, there's tons of them. There's tons of violence that exists in that area as well. Um, now I'll add this as long as I'm, I'm speaking on that right now. Every time we get a win on this, every time we solve one of this, we claw back a little bit more of humanity. And we put a little more fear into those who would do evil without sounding melodramatic. But those business decisions that happen where you think you can grab a girl off the street or girls in this case and get away with it are over with. The golden age of serial killers are over with. And now we have another tool or, or workers and tools out there to stop this. Well, that stops those people who are on the bubble and they're just have the, that ilk to walk to the dark side. They're not going to make that other path. And this puts the fear of God into them. And um, I said I wasn't going to get melodramatic, but I don't think I can get any less than what I just said there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.